This is your emergency broadcast system. Welcome to Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald, the business podcast with attitude. Today's show is sponsored by Odds on Performance Promotions in Houston, Texas. Odds on Performance Promotions brings your athletes' dreams to life by producing and editing videos for your athletes' brand. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. May God be with you all. Hold on to those razors, folks, as we travel south from India and the land of the weed to the land down under. It is once again time for another episode of your favorite business podcast, Hashtag Biz with Beard and Ball. <laughs> my kind of team, Charlie. It's my kind of team. Today's show, friends, is brought to you by Odds On Promotions, your digital solutions for your brand. The score is now bald three and beard one, and as sure as an arranged marriage in India, I have a feeling <laughs> that this week's guest is going to put bald up four to one. You sandbagging son of a bitch. Well, the cruel crappy thing is about this whole contest is I'm in charge of the scheduling of the guests, so maybe I just subconsciously feel sorry for you, Scott, uh, since you kind of you know lived a little life of shortcomings given your height, and I'm just going to giving you a you know head start or maybe a little false sense of hope. Well, <laughs> sense, sense or no sense, um, and you fall into the category of no sense, hope is a very poor strategy, Beard. <laughs> but uh, with all that whining and odd-looking furry creature you just heard, friends, so rudely interrupted me, um, let's get back to business. Even though the Beard, Mr. Kirby Smith, has just joined us and will be my <laughs> co-host today from Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. If he's here, who's running hell? And just like a boomerang, every time Beard tries to throw me away, I just keep coming back to host the show. <laughs> From the sunny and beautiful armpit of America, Houston, Texas, I am bald, Mr. Scott Schaefer. I'm <laughs> no mortal can stop me. Well, maybe our guest knows where I can get a kangaroo so I can stuff you in its pouch and you both can hop away for good. Uh, we all know you're small enough to fit in that. Don't be mad at me, bro. You're just scared of this hole you're digging yourself in. And unlike the GOAT, my man Tom Brady, you will not be able to make a historical comeback. So, Beard, quit being such a blah, 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 and let me introduce our guest from the other side of the world. Well, as I say, down under, go on. Well, bloody oath then. I bring to you Australia's leading C-level sales authority executive, sales coach, the devil's advocate and storyteller, Mr. Steve, not a roof, not a ceiling, but Mr. Hall. Welcome to the Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald Show, Steve. Good day there. How are you going? We're doing great. How are you today? Good well, morning. I'm I'm, neut I'm neutral because I'm both bald and bearded at the moment. Oh, so I have a chance. I have a shot, is what you're saying. There's a slim chance. <laughs> yeah, there's a slim chance. And um, even though I'm from down under, and I said good day, I'm originally what, what we call a pom here, which is a an Englishman in Australia. So I'm a bit of both. Okay, so a bit ACDC, you... as you were saying before, Australian, Australian, and um, and English. <laughs> Well, just a little bit of advice, Steve, uh, since we did uh, chit-chat just a little bit uh, ahead of the show, and I did see some video feed, um, that's one area you should probably just go with one, and I would suggest it's a trap. bald would uh, be that answer, my friend. Well, I think we should, let's see how the show goes, and I'm sure by the end of the show, he'll definitely pick the right one. Um, but I apologize for my little friend's attempt to be Aussie, so keep that in mind, even though you do share a similar look uh, when you make a decision at the end of the show. 
I'm just trying to make my friend feel at home, Beard. Australia is known for some rather wild and dangerous animals. By the look of you, I don't want him to get uncomfortable and think you have a Tasmanian devil sitting on your face. <laughs> well, they... Actually, they're quite bitey. They're quite bitey little things, those Tasmanian devils. They look cute, but you stick a piece of meat between two of them and they go wild. Kind of like my face, right? <laughs> so... yeah. well, between Scott and I, you put, a, uh, do we put anything between us, we go wild. Easy now. <laughs> Well, before we go on a rage, let's tell our listeners that they can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Podbean, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anchor, and Pocket Cast. Jesus, these guys are fucking everywhere. Sheesh, Beard, by the sound of that, you better get on the treadmill. And, friends, you can now hear the full episode on YouTube at ACS Executives. All right, let's remind all of our listeners that tuning in for the first time, uh, that you can go and subscribe to hashtag bizwithbeardandbald on anchor.fm slash bizwithbeardandbald. Yes, we do not want them or their friends to miss future episodes, that's for sure. Yeah, and while they're there, they can help support the show by clicking on listener support and make a contribution towards our efforts. So, let's get back to Mr. Hall. Yeah. Steve, your resume reads something like this. Correct me if any of this is not accurate. You started executive coaching, if I'm not mistaken, around 2009, um, and then went on to Moss and Hooper. You then moved your executive coaching expertise over to the database department before you founded Sales Masterminds Australia. You Sorry, know, wait, wait, wait. I think it's Australasia, right? Is that right? Oh, it's Australasia. A, it's, actually, it's actually APAC. It's APAC now, but I didn't found it. I'm simply a member. Okay. Or okay. a founder member, one of the founder members. Right. Oh, so like, kind of like that commercial, if, if you go get that fake hair on your head, you're not just... <laughs> an owner you're a member or not just a member you're an owner or whatever that is but you you also co-founded executive sales forum international six months ago is that correct that's correct I, the, the database department was a long-term client run by a very good friend of mine john benwani um, um i basically basically went uh, with worked with moss and hooper as a, an executive coach and then started uh, executive sales forum international and also executive sales coaching australia and and complex this isn't it and sales masterminds apac was founded by john smybert and and myself and a number of other people um so right. a bit, bit bit complicated in fact i'm confused well, well Steve, you, you go claim, ahead curve yeah so you also claim on link on your linkedin profile and scott made mention it you're the devil's advocate I'm not and you say the devil's advocate so i gotta know more behind that well you know you know how some people are just really annoying um, yes, I do know. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so I decided, and I, I, I'm one of those people that always, whenever someone makes a statement, I always look for an exception or for for why it might be wrong or, or why it, you know, why I look for an alternative perspective. So I thought I may as well use that. And um, so I've I, I built myself as a devil's advocate because I always look for the flaws in things. Good. And of course, you I don't know if you know what the devil's advocate was originally. Um, but when a, when a saint is proposed in the Catholic Church, the devil's advocate argues against them being a saint, and oh. it's supposed supposed to keep the process um, um, kosher. Or, oh, I suppose that's not the right term I'm for the Catholic right. Church, but <laughs> but, but uh, it, it, it keeps them honest. And so the devil's advocate role is to demolish bad arguments and uh, make good ones better. So I would say I'm the devil's advocate between Scott and I. Wouldn't you agree, Scott? I'm not going to disagree. Not. <laughs> so, so Steve, you and I have um, 
a few things in common. I mean, aside from that shiny, beautiful glow on top of your head, um, you are a great storyteller, I hear. And um, I happen to be um, a pretty good storyteller myself. You're more like a bullshitter, but anyway. Like I was saying, Steve, you say you're a storyteller. <laughs> Uh, what is the one story you can share with us that is worth a listen? Your Daisy, if you do. Oh gosh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> most of the most of my best stories aren't really fit for YouTube. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story I've just written about. Um, I okay. had a when I was when I was selling ERP software. I don't know if you know ERP software is software that runs an entire distribution yep. company, for instance. So financials, um, inventory, warehousing, sales, accounts payable, etc. Um, and I spoke to a company in, um, oh, I'll, I'll name them, the, I think they're not around anymore, Sanyo. We, we, have, we had software that was very specific for consumer electronics distributors. And I went to them and, um, just before Y2K, and they had to buy a new one because the other one wasn't going to work. And I said, look, what's the most important thing to you in making a selection? And they said to me, well, the most important thing to us is low risk. I said, great. Well, our software is designed for your industry. We're local, so we're just up, just up the road from you. We've got all the ex all the modules you need. We work with your uh, – we, we work – our customers are your competitors, and their customers are your customers. So it's dead easy. Um, and they came back and said, we've picked SAP. And I said, but SAP – doesn't work in your industry that which it didn't at that time and it's very high risk and they said oh well no sorry it's sorry we um you know we've made our decision because the it manager had a hidden agenda he wanted to have something great on his on, on his resume <laughs> so i got I was, I was truly outsold by sap and i said well you do realize it's going to cost you you know two arms two legs and three torsos and they said no no it'll be okay <laughs> so they came back three months later and said look well, actually it was a little bit more expensive than we thought. In fact, it was five times as expensive as wow. we thought to make it work. Um, so we'll start the process again. It's great, okay. So they came back and they said, went through the same process. They came back and they said, okay, we've chosen JD Edwards on one on NT on Microsoft NT. And I said, okay, you do realise that it's in the middle of 1978. You've got to be live by the end of 19 1998. You've got to be live by the end of 1999. And the version of JD Edwards you've chosen isn't in use by any single company in Australia. And the CFO said, oh, well, it's the IT manager's decision. Um, I'll, um, you know, if, if, it, if it's wrong, we'll get rid of him. I thought that's a very professional attitude from a CFO. So I wrote them a letter saying, dear Sanyo, um, I'm really so sorry you made this decision. I think it's the wrong decision, but I wish you the best of luck. I hope it goes really well. And if it doesn't, call us because we can get you live quickly. And in about March of 1999, we got the phone call. Help! And then they, they discovered the software they'd chosen didn't do what they wanted, and the next version wasn't due out until 2001. So, uh, so that that third bite at the sale was the easiest sale I made, and we charged them full list price. Wow! I don't know if that's a good story, but it's, it's a, a true great story. story. Yeah, no, it's a great story because one, um, there's a couple lessons in this, I think, right? I mean, one, you didn't give up. Uh, two, the you didn't burn a bridge, and I've seen that happen quite a bit in sales, right? They didn't they didn't get the sale originally, and uh, you know you made your points, and you still left the door open for them, and they came back, right? 
Yeah, well, there's no point burning bridges, is there? I mean, it just, but, it just no, I, anyone I, that needs it. I agree. But I, you know, I can tell you as a CFO, uh, when I spent my time as a CFO, uh, I've had some people burn some bridges. Um, I had someone get really mad at me because I would not give them an opportunity uh, for their business because, well, quite frankly, Steve, they didn't bring any value to me every time they met with me. And every time they came in, uh, they just thought by, you know, blinking their eyes and, you know, flashing their smile that I was going to give them an opportunity. But I was really looking for value. And every time that they came in, it became a waste of my time. And, you know, I just started asking, well, what do you got this week? And they got upset with me and pretty much told me they were upset with me because I wouldn't give them an opportunity. And I basically said, well, you presented no value to me. Uh, so it's the way it's going to be. And the bridge was burned, unfortunately. So why do you keep that muff on your face then? I mean, it's not like there's any value add there. Because you love it and you know it. You know what? You're a terrible liar. <laughs> well, let's start talking well, about why it keeps, we... It keeps, it keeps the skin cancer off your chin. There you go, right? It keeps the sun off my face, right? It's soft. I, you know, um, I'm eating dinner, you know. And, yeah, you the know, same dinner five days in a row. Yeah, right. Well, if I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, you know, need a little snack, there's always something I can find in there. And I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Again, like I said before, I got I to gotta have someplace to hide my swords and sandwiches, so that's why I keep it. That's wonderful. Well, let's talk about why we have Steve on here in the first place. And let's talk sales because uh, Steve is a guru and uh, he, he's uh, woke up very early over there in Australia and we appreciate that. So let's, uh, let's jump into that if we can. I'm finally going to agree with you, Beard. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to translate for our listeners, your Wookiee language for everyone, but uh <laughs> It's, it's becoming more challenging every episode. But Steve, you have been in sales and or sales coaching since 1974. And I did read in your bio, you have a chemistry degree. Is that correct? That uh, is correct. So what the hell are you in sales for? And why didn't you pursue your chemistry degree? Well, I mean, chemicals are dangerous for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so is a beard. <laughs> no, I um, look. My chemistry degree I got by the skin of my teeth because the chemistry I dabbled with most of university wasn't particularly legal. Hey, bud, <laughs> let's party! <laughs> um, and when I left university, my main goal in life was to have fun. And well, I always said I went to university to drink beer, take drugs, and chase women. But I did, <laughs> did it. In, but I did it in that order, so it didn't work too well. <laughs> but isn't that what being an international man of mystery is all about? Um, and so after, about three years after I left doing various odd jobs and working in casinos and bars and uh, office work and things, I thought I'd better get a proper job. And um, a friend of mine was a medical student, and I saw an ad for a medical rep. And um, I said, what's a medical rep? And he said, oh, they get a company car. So I applied for that. And the, my interview went pretty much, have you got a degree? Yes. Okay. We start training next week. So, so it, was, it was a bit different in those days. So it sounds like you were a lot like Beard and I in college. Um, <laughs> and you simply just like to have a lot of fun back then. I did indeed. Well, I, w I was a pre-med. Remember, Scott, I was a pre-med. Uh... No, and med stands for so many other things other than <laughs> medical. Well, Steve, you stuck with your first job what, for 14 years. Is that right? No, 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 no. I, 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 I worked as a, a medical rep for um, three and a half years, and then I decided to come to Australia on holiday in 1979. And um, I was here on a one-year visa, but um, I spent all my money on the way. And by the time I got here, I had a big debt on my Amex card because I came through the States for six weeks. 
And um, so I thought I'd get into computers and I went to IBM and passed all, sat all their tests and they said, oh, you're quite smart. You can be, you can, um, you can join us as a trainee salesperson. Um, have you got a visa? And I said, well, yeah, but a one year's visitor's visa. And they said, oh, no, 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 we don't take those. You, you need a proper visa. So I went to Burroughs, who was a computer company at the time, and they didn't ask me. So, so I joined them. Um, and I was in sales for about six months, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was terrible. I mean, they didn't train me. They just basically said, take these calculators and go and sell them. And I tramped the streets saying, hello, would you like a calculator? And the people I went to see basically said, no. <laughs> um, so after six months, my manager called me and said, Steve, you're a crap salesperson, but you're quite smart. Do you want to move into sales support? So I moved into sales support and worked my way through the ranks until I became professional services manager. Uh, and then I moved, and then I got sick of sick of cleaning up salespeople's problems. So I thought I'd rather create some problems of my own. So I moved into marketing and then into sales. Okay. So you were there for fourteen. You were there for fourteen years. Is that right then? I was, at, I was at Unisys slash Burroughs for 14 years, yeah, okay. but almost all of that was in professional services with the last year and a half in marketing. Okay. And then when I moved, when I got my next sales job, that was with TaylorMade Systems in 1994. Okay. Well, 14 years is a long time, and that's a lot of dedication and loyalty on both you and your employer's part. Um, why do you think that type of longevity is really found today? That's a good question. I mean, I was I was good at my job and I was dedicated, but we, we, we aren't the same here in Australia that you are in the States. You really work incredibly hard. You don't take any holidays. Um, you know, everything revolves around work. We're a little bit more laid back here. Um, the, the best part of that 14, 13 years, I was focused on running. I was a marathon runner and I, was, and I used to train incredibly hard. Um, and holidays, I took one week holiday of five weeks, one of six weeks, and two of eight weeks in that period. So it was a, to me, it was a, a way of making money that I enjoyed and that I was reasonably good at. That's why I stayed, and they kept promoting me. Right. And to them, it was, and from their perspective, I kept doing the job, so they kept promoting me. Um, so, and why is it? Why has it changed today? I think. I think. I don't know. I think everything, everything's just faster today. I think there's less loyalty, less loyalty in, on both sides. Yeah. 14 years, Steve. I, I can't even keep a thought for uh, 10 minutes. But, <laughs> um, well, 10 seconds, let alone 10 minutes. But uh, forgive my hairy companion, Steve. He doesn't quite understand the beauty of baldness and continues to look like the living proof of the evolution theory. <laughs> but I actually um, used to run – marathons and endurance events and so forth as well. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, but I want to know more um, about when you decided to transition into executive sales coaching. And also, if you would, share with us some of the struggles you went through coming to that decision. Okay. Well, on one condition, what was your best marathon time? Not very well. Okay, good. Don't ask mine, whatever you do. Well, ask him so, why he did, you don't know why he doesn't do it anymore? Tell, tell him, Scott. I don't know that answer, Beard. What is the answer? Well, you, didn't you get bit by a rattlesnake? A oh, well, Steve. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so Dude, he's got a great it, story. You got bit by a rattlesnake. How many people are in that race, Scott? Well, first of all, it wasn't a rattlesnake. We don't even know what kind of snake it was, but there was 3,500 competitors, and it was a Ironman, not a marathon. Okay. Um, but it was during the marathon leg of the Ironman. Right. So without without going into all kinds of hubbub. Um, yeah, Steve, it was mile, I believe nine, no, I'm sorry, mile 12. Um, and I felt 
something I, you know, I thought I got stung, you know, after all those hours and uh, I was pretty depleted, you know, I didn't know what it was and I'm not from here. I'm from the Midwest. So the last thing that would have, you know, crossed my mind was a snake. But anyway, fast forward, this idiot that is me, um, so determined and stubborn, um, went ahead and finished the, the race. <laughs> and so I had that venom pumping through my body for the remaining, um, oh gosh, what, 10, 11, 12, whatever miles of the marathon. And uh, then got rushed to the hospital and spent a week in the hospital, you know, with anti-venom treatment, trying to save my leg and my life. But anyway, so um, sounds like a great story. Really is pretty stupid. And weren't you the one that said to me that Australia was full of scary creatures? Right. (laughs) Okay. So here's the deal. Like in the States, I'm afraid of sharks and alligators and now snakes. But um, in Australia, big sharks and crocs would be my two. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do, I see, you know, follow all these endurance athletes and all the events they do in Australia. And man, I don't, I don't think I have the psyche to do it. I'd have to go under hypnosis before registering, I think, but. um, Well, you're right with, you're right with crocs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, actually, I was was about to say, I wouldn't go near swimming with with a crocodile, but in fact, I have swum in cairns and up that way where they have them in the, in the sea, not in the, in the, in the creeks, but sharks, Hey, they're there. What do you do? I do ocean swims and I've seen sharks, but you know, we we only, we only, we lose a lot more people to to drowning than to sharks. I can assure you. Well, but I just shared a story with you, Steve. That would mean that the the, the marathon route, just so you know that I here, – here's how this happens, okay? So it was a three-loop course. There's 3,500 participants. I can't even tell you how many thousands of spectators that – and you do the math – that went around that particular area, and I got bit by a snake. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to swim in Australia. <laughs> you just got to understand, Scott, if something bad is going to happen to somebody – a better way to put it. If you would have told me to take a bet on the one person to get bit, bit, bit by a rattlesnake or a snake on this marathon of all the thousands and thousands of runners and the other thousands of you know, people watching, I would have took Scott. <laughs> I would have wanted to. Well, well, I've done I've done an ocean swim where the um, lead swimmers were circled by a hammerhead shark, but uh, oh, I didn't see. All right, I'm dropping off. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, but back, back to Steve. No, let's let him answer that. I didn't hear the struggles. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I have mine, and I just shared mine with you. They have nothing to do with sales or sales coaching. But Steve, what struggles can you share uh, with our listeners that may, you know, who knows what they're struggling with uh, that you went through at the beginning of your journey? Okay, well, I spent 14 years with the same company, also selling ERP systems. Um, they got purchased by a Swedish company. I went to Paris to work on a couple of big um, international deals and um, closed one of those. And then I resigned and came back to Australia and you know, had nothing to, you know, did, had, had no work. So um, I spent six months in Darwin as a project manager, which was a bit of, bit of an aberration. A friend called me and said, "We need, I need a project manager in Darwin. And I said... I haven't been a project manager for 20 years, and I was a really bad one then. But he says, no, no, it's good money. Anyway, I I came back from that, and um, I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, what do I know? Sales. So I started um, sales coaching, and I got a couple of clients, the database department you mentioned. And then I saw these people struggling, and I, you know, know, the with consultants, it's 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 um, boom or bust. You get a client, and you work with them, then something happens, and you've got to start looking again. And I thought, I really need to specialize in a particular area um you know you need to have something to, to set you out apart from all the other eight million people mm-hmm. doing the same thing 
And I thought, well, you know, what am I good at? And I thought, and what do I know? And I've thought I've dealt with a lot of very senior executives um, and uh, people, A, don't know how to get to meet them and B, don't know what to do when they do meet them, as you illustrated earlier on when you were talking about the guy that got um, upset that you wouldn't give an, up, give an opportunity. I mean, you know, when, if you get in front of a senior executive, you need to be able to talk on their level about their stuff mm-hmm. and not just say, hey, give me a deal. And so that's when I started specializing in that. And the challenge that I've had, um, I think the thing that has helped me um, succeed is I've gradually built up my brand and my persona and my speciality slowly but consistently um, using LinkedIn and and working on that one area where there's a, a definite need. Yeah. No, you've done you've done a fantastic job, and I think you're exactly right when you talk about executive sales coaching. It is a little bit different, and uh, you know we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, again, I may mention earlier, right? You got to bring a value when you meet with these individuals. If you don't, you know they, that's all. That's what they're going to remember you by. Unfortunately. Speaking of value, Steve, every time Beard uses the word fantastic, he'll give you a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> I'm going to be broke then. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Steve, uh, Scott and I coach people and teams on how to sell how to sell as well. And we believe that every successful sales organization needs to focus on six things. And those are sales management, coaching, lead generation, revenue generation, uh, or you know, building relationships, what I like to call it, uh, proper use of a solid CRM system, competition analysis, and industry analysis. Could you touch on which you think are most important or if there's something else you think is more important, can you discuss that and tell us why? Well, I mean, I think the quality, rather than the things to focus on first, let let me talk about the quality I think that's most important in a good salesperson. And that's the ability to look look at the world and particularly the area you focus on from the perspective of your customers and your prospects. In other words, put yourself in their shoes, right? Absolutely. Put yourself in their shoes. I mean, 98% of marketing and... 88% 88% of sales is all about me. Aren't we great? What are our, what's our value proposition? What are our benefits? What are our features? Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to flip that around and say, okay, what's their problem? How do they see it? What's the impact? What's the priority? What's the risk? So that's the quality, I think, that's most important in a salesperson. I think the things that you talk about um, are, are all very important. I think the quality CRM system is important, but often overemphasized. I think that most, many CRMs are for the benefit of management when they mm-hmm. should be used for the benefit of the salesperson. Yep. And I think keeping the CRM up to date for its own sake has become um, overly important. At the end of the day, the CRM should be a tool to help the salesperson sell better. But obviously, as a as, as an executive sales coach, I think a combination of coaching and training um, are probably the key thing. Are probably the key because at the end of the day, whether you're talking social selling or cold calling or prospecting, or whatever. At the end of the day, a sale starts with one human being communicating with another human being. Right. No, I agree, and I think I agree with you on the CRM system. I mean, I you know where we've come from, we say you know, hey, you need a CRM system, but like you said, you have to make sure it's there for the salespeople and not for necessarily for the management, because when you start to use it for the management reporting, and you know, you're reporting on reports to report report on another reports, what you end up doing is get false information put in, right? Crap in, crap out, and we see yeah, that course, all course, too course often. Of course, you do. 
Yeah, Salespeople lie. I mean, I used to. I used to when I worked for when I worked for Merck Sharp and Durham as a medical rep back in 1977. We had call targets, and we were supposed to see six doctors a day. And I mean, I lived. I worked in a rural area where doctors. You know, it was 20, 30 miles between doctors, and it was just um, impossible. So what did I do? I cheated, like yeah. everyone else did. Yep. I remember one of the first uh, individuals we went into, and I sat down with them, and he, he threw all these reports out at me. And I looked at him, and I said, oh, your uh, sales goal for the week is uh, uh, for meetings is 10, right? He goes, yeah, how'd you know that? I said, because every single one of these reports, everybody has 10. And I said, that's, that's, that's false. They're lying. And uh, yeah. you've created this atmosphere and this culture uh, to where they want to lie. They have to lie because you're not teaching the actual – or coaching towards the behaviors, you're coaching towards the numbers, which is a false you know, direction to go. Yeah, there's two, I mean, there's, two, look, there's two schools of thoughts. One is that you should measure activity, not results. Mm -hmm. And to a degree, you should measure activity as long as the activity is reasonable and, the measure, and there's some flexibility in the measurement and there's logic behind the things that you're measuring and the reasons you're measuring them. So if you've got a measurement of making 100 calls a day, people are going to make 98 calls that are, a waste of time because to reach that target yep. um, and I'd, I'd much rather have 10 I'm not saying I'd the 10 10 is necessarily a good number of calls to make but I'd much rather have a lower number of quality calls than a high number of pick up the phone get a voicemail and leave a message yep I agree what's the real why behind the what but Steve yep. you you sell at a high level um, or for our listeners a C level one of the things you say you must do is to understand what the C level suite really cares about um, and, and aside from looking at it from standing in their shoes, so to speak, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, I don't know if you know Mike Kunkel, but he, he made a comment the other day, which is, which is a comment I always make. And the answer is it depends. It hmm. depends on the industry you're in. It depends upon the role that you have. It depends upon the country you're in. It depends upon the particular circumstances of your company. So as an example, as a general rule, CEOs care about revenue, they care about growth, they care about risk, they care about reputation. There are some generic things that particular titles care about. So when you were a CFO, you would care about cash flow, you would care about expenses, you would care, you would care about uh, revenue, obviously, although that's more the sales department. Uh, you care about use of, uh, use of funds, uh, opportunity costs, perhaps. There's certain group set sets of things that are important based upon your role is, is that fair yeah absolutely. that's very fair yeah. absolutely that's like olivia newton john ish fair i'm i'm down well Steve, okay yeah let's get physical and then and then if you look at the industry <laughs> what do you what what do you what do you care about in a particular industry and if you're selling i don't know uh, pharmaceuticals then you, you care there, there are different industry issues than if mm. you're selling um computer software or something else so that's the next thing is what are the industry industry issues right and then once you understand what a particular role in a particular industry cares about if you're targeting a particular individual the next question is what do they care about within their company in other words is their company about to go into chapter 11 or is their company expanding and buying a new company did you, are we impressed there? Chapter eleven. That's American. Um, <laughs> we 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 you um you know are, are they have they just taken someone over? Are those particular things happening in their state or their industry that are relevant to them? So the, the end of the day is that generically people care about certain things and specifically they care care about certain things layered on top of that depending on their circumstance. And basically, what you need to do is use your brain and think. Right. 
Well, it's, it's, it's really that simple. You're right. You need to use your brain and think. And too many people get caught up in the chasing the dollar and they're not focusing on the process and they're not thinking. Yeah. Well, and to follow well, up, Steve, you know, I never really truly understood what it meant to be in the C-level seat until I actually sat there as a CFO for four years. And what I do realize now is time is way more important than I ever thought it was as a salesperson until I became that CFO. What is the one thing you can share with us today that could really help us get across to those C-level executives that as a salesperson, I value your, your time. And when we meet that each time is a value to you. Great question. I think the first thing you have to do is earn the right to talk to them. Tell me more about that then. Well, if I'm trying to approach a particular executive in a particular company, I'm asking them to spend a period of time. Let's say it's 10 minutes. Let's say it's half an hour with me. What's in it for them to waste their value? And you're absolutely right. I mean, they've got the board on their backs. They've got the shareholders on their backs, their, 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 their peers, their employees, their suppliers, their customers, their sales, their products. All of those things, they care about more than they care about buying stuff off you. So time is very valuable. So, so, so the first, I'm not sure I like these words, but the first value proposition that you need is to sell them on the value of them speaking to you for half an hour. Right. And, and half hour is that a good is that a good time frame? It depends on it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, yeah. I think half an hour is a good time frame, but. I'll give you an example. Um, I've got, I have a client here at the moment that wanted to go and that, that wants to get to see the head of a big department, a large government department, uh, and he's flying down on, th on Thursday to, uh, for, and, and he's taking an hour because he's flying uh, down to Canberra, to Canberra for the meeting, and uh, you know it, it wasn't worth it for half an hour. And also, it's a big topic he's right. discussing, he's discussing, and also he's got the knowledge and he's going to add the value that makes it worth worth the while. Now, how did we get that, that person to give us an hour? I went to the chairman of the company and asked and said, you know, can we talk to you about this? And the chairman referred us to him. But I had to give that chairman of the company a good enough reason to want mm -hmm. to get one of his most senior people to give us an hour. And so and, and you can't do that. And then one of the challenges is the things I talked about that CEOs, for instance, care about lowering risk, increasing revenue, increasing profit are important to them. But they're also rather generic. And everyone targets them. So if I go to the CEO of a company and says, hi, I want to talk to you for half an hour about um, helping you increase your profit. Well, hey, so does every other salesperson right. involved. Yeah. So you've got to be a bit more specific than that. So I'll give you an example, which I always use. Five, six years ago, a company came to us. They were a digital agency. And they said, look, we're, we're great talking digital strategy with senior executives if we can get in front of them. But we can't get in front of them. Can you help us? I said, OK. Um, who do you sell to? And they said, well, anyone. I said, well, that's that's really helpful. Right? Okay, let's, let's narrow it down. <laughs> Is there a particular industry where you have some credibility and some customers? And they said, yeah, we've done a bit with retailers. Okay, great. What do you do for them? Oh, we can do anything. Oh, God. I said, okay, right. That's not terribly helpful either. <laughs> What's the biggest problem retailers have currently got that you can help them with? And right at, at that time, eBay was coming to Australia, Amazon was coming to Australia. There was, and and all the retailers in Australia were whinging about not paying GST, which is like a value-added tax. Yeah, if yeah. you bought stuff from Amazon, you didn't you didn't pay tax unless it was a thousand dollars. And they were saying this; it was in the papers and everything. It was a huge issue. 
So we just got on the phone and the email and used a methodology we use, and we called the CEOs of 102 of the biggest retailers in Australia and said, we want to talk to you for half an hour about helping you compete with online retailers. And we got 33 meetings in, 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 a, in a month because it was a really big topic for them. Now, we may have had to drill down. I mean, we took out supermarkets because supermarkets weren't competing with online retailers. So it wasn't all retailers. You, you still had to use your brain. But the retailers that were looking at online competition, that was a big issue, and they were happy to talk to us about it. Well, I mean, There's so where you're going wrong, Beard. He said brain, not beard. <laughs> well, I mean, he brings up a good points, right? You know, again, find your niche. And I think you're absolutely right in that, right? I mean, I was in banking for you know 14 years. And when I really turned it around is when I focused on a niche industry, right? Just like well, banks. Well, we do business with everybody. Um, but when I started becoming successful is when I started really focusing on the medical industry. You know, I realized that we did that very well and a lot better than a lot of other banks did and uh, had support from corporate to do that. And that's what we really focus on. And then uh, when I really narrowed that down, I started, you know, like you said, focusing on particular issues and areas in that industry. And instead of getting into an apples to apples discussion, uh, what I like to say, what we tell people is, you know, try to find the orange. That's that's the value. If you can find you the orange, you can close the sale. You have to be closing all the time. You don't talk about your stuff. You talk about their stuff. When, when, when I was selling ERPs, we had to. A generic ERP, but our customers were that, that, that two of our directors came from the consumer electronics industry. One came from the publishing publishing industry. So the first customers they got were in those industries, and they developed specific functions and mod and modules those industry ne industries needed. So we decided after a while to focus on those industries. Now I was able to go into um, the head office of the largest publishing publisher in the world, Pearson, in in New York City and spend the full day talking to the CFO of um, Latin America. And I didn't talk about software at all. I talked about publishing. Mm -hmm. I talked about returns and new title releases and uh, packs and um, front list and back list and academic and trade. And I just talked publishing, not software, because that's, that's what distinguishes you. And I'll yeah. give you another example. Um, I've read about this the other day. I was selling software to, or trying to sell software to Pioneer, consumer electronics company, company in um, Melbourne, and they were being supported by one of the four large, you know, one of the four management consultancies. I think it was Anderson. And rebate is a really, really big issue in consumer electronics. So if you don't don't can't handle rebates, you can't sell to all of the um, retailers here. And I would, I went in and said, well, obviously you've got you, you do rebates and you you deal with Dick Smith and you deal with um, Coles and you deal with Target and they demand short-term incentives and long-term incentives and you're going to have a situation where they've got to sell this many of that product and this many of the other product and do you ever have a situation at the end of the year where they're not going to quite make their target but you want to pay them anyway because you know that they're going to get upset if you don't pay them and, and well our software handles all of that for you. And the management consultant said, we're business experts. We can do anything for you. Tell us how these rebate things work. And I think I won that argument. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I hate doing this, but we do have to break for our sponsors. So, so Steve has chosen his favorite band and song to take us into break. And everyone else might recognize this as Scott's theme song. What the hell, bro? So here is American Idiot by Green Day.
Talking sales and sales management and coaching with the sales king of Australia, Mr. Steve Hall. Steve, let's discuss getting to the genesis of this whole thing, getting the meeting set with a C-level executive. What is the secret or what is your secret and where do most people fail? So get on the phones. It's time to get to work. Get off your ass. Well, I think most people fail because they try generic methods. Um, I spoke to a company in the States a while back and they said, oh, we're, um, we've got this so this solution for hospital hospitals and we've invited them eight c we're going to invite eight ceos of uh, this hospital group to meet with us in um so we so we can tell them about our wonderful solution and i said good luck with that one guys um <laughs> um people you know people try and come up with a value proposition that's a catch-all and it's and, and that can i mean that it does work it does work depending on who you're selling and what you're selling to but if you're trying to get to a specific senior executive whose time, who, who gets paid a thousand dollars an hour, or more, right? His time is very, very valuable. Right. So you've got to work out what is it that they want, what's their priority? Because every company has got a thousand problems, but every company can't focus on a thousand problems. They can focus on two or three or four at any one time. So the first question I ask myself is, what's, what, what are their top three or four priorities that they are likely to want to talk about can I help them achieve? And then I say, okay, what message can I come up with that shows them that I understand their priorities and that potentially I can help them? And then I think, how do I get that message to them? Is it a phone call? Is it an email? Is it LinkedIn? Is it um, using FedEx to get a parcel there? Is it a referral? Is it a combination of all of the above? Um, I used the analogy not long ago. Have you seen Apollo 13, the movie? Yep. Yep. Well, you know that scene where um, Ed Harris walks in and, and they've got to try and get the um, carbon dioxide scrubbers out of the, out of the um, command module into the lunar module and they don't fit because they've got different right. fittings. So he, yeah. he throws everything on the desk and he says, okay, this is what they've got. You've got to get that into that using this. Well, I say you've got to get your message to this person using the tools you've got available. And those tools are the ones I mentioned, social media, link, um, email, voicemail, right. executive assistant, referrals, etc. And my favorite methods of getting a message to someone are the executive assistant because they're human beings and they give you feedback. If you leave a voicemail or you send an email or you send a LinkedIn message, you get no feedback. I mean, you often get silence. Whereas you don't get silence when, from an EA. You might get go away and leave me alone, but right. you don't get silence. And the best method of all, of course, is a referral. Right, side door. And so the first thing, the first thing I look at is who do I know that knows this person that is prepared to refer me and who is credible with this person because you need you need that link both ways there's no point getting referred by someone that the person that, that is, you're being referred to doesn't trust and there's no point asking someone a referral if they don't trust you right yeah so but that it, it comes down to understanding their priorities coming up with the right message getting that message to them and you've got to tell them as little as possible to get the meeting the more you tell them, the more excuse they have to say, we've got one of these, or we don't need that, or we did it yesterday. I like that. 
I, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Well, Steve, sales processes get revised or renamed all the time, right? And you say you need a methodology. What do you mean by that? I think you need a process. I mean, I was someone yesterday on LinkedIn said that, oh, you know, the p- people used to say, I'm a, we're a spin company or we're a blue, a, a, a blue sheet company. And spin selling was great, but it wasn't the sales process. It was a way of doing discovery, essentially. And mm-hmm. um, blue sheets are great, but that's not a sales process. That's a way of identifying the way to win a specific business opportunity. A sales process comes starts right at the beginning with targeting. Who's who am I? Who are my top X targets? Now let's say top fifty targets that I want to go for. Out, you know, that I want want to reach out to, and this is running in parallel to all of your marketing and your inbound and on the other stuff. But who are the top targets that I want to go to, and what are the problems they've got that I can solve? And that comes down to a degree to what we talked about before, niching, and uh, which which geography. I talked to a guy a while back in the states, and um, really good guy, knew his stuff. And I said, you know, what's your territory? And he says, well, it's all of the USA. And I said, and, you know, what kinds of company do you focus on? He says, well, anyone with more than 500 seats, because it was SAAS, Software as a Service. I said, well, I'm going to guess there's about 50,000 companies in the States that fit those criteria. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how many can you handle at any one time? 100? I said, so pick the top, pick the pick the top hundred in one particular niche in New York City, because hey, why why try and sell to New Mexico when you're living in New York City? Right. Yep. So pick your so the so it starts with your targeting, then you look at the business problem that you can solve, then you look at how you get the meetings, and then you look at how you handle the meetings and how you handle the complex sale. It's simply a. a a sales process is a series of repeatable steps where you have flexibility within those steps depending upon the particular circumstances. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steve, Steve one of the most reoccurring mistakes we see, <clears throat> excuse me, happen with most of the sales people and organizations that we work with is that there's really no plan of attack um, set forth at the beginning. So can you discuss the importance of planning before the first meeting and why it can be so detrimental without that plan? If you don't plan, you, you look like an idiot and get kicked out, basically. Right. Um, I mean, you need – you talked about adding value. What does adding value mean? If I go into a senior executive and I say – I hate this question – what keeps you awake at night? Or what are your top three problems? I'm basically saying I'm an idiot and I've done no research. It's not, particularly at senior executive level, it's so easy to research. They write annual reports or whatever mm-hmm. you call them there. They make announcements in the press. They they talk on their website about what their priorities are. They get interviewed by marketing and, and other magazines. It's dead easy to, to, have a, to get a pretty good idea about what they care about. And if you understand the industry and you understand the types of problems with the, 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 that the industry has and you understand the specific issue that they care about, you should be able to go in there and talk on their level about their issues and hopefully give them some, especially if you've got other customers that you've helped with the same issues. You say, when we were dealing with such and such a company, they told us this, 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 and this. And looking at you, it seems to me that you've got those issues, but you've also got this mm-hmm. issue because you bought this new company. Um, am I right? So people talk about discovery, but it shouldn't be called discovery. It should be called validation. You should be going in there to validate the other, your, your intelligent assumptions or be corrected. And yeah, you learn more. But you've got to go in there saying, I've done my research, and I think that you've got these issues, and we think we can help. Am I right? 
Well, you bring up the term compelling narrative to get your point across. Is that what you mean? So say again, sorry? You say you need a compelling narrative. And that sounds like what you were just talking about, right? Is that what you mean? And what does that look like structurally? A compelling narrative? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, you've got, you've got to go in there for a specific... Well, let me give... Let's go back, let, let's go back to that example of, from before. When, when we got meetings with the senior executives in retailers to talk about helping them compete with online retailers... We'd gone a fair way down that track in, 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 in doing the research. We knew that Amazon and eBay were coming. We knew they were facing competition. We knew the types of products that particular company sold because we, you know, obviously had done our research. We hopefully knew about the individual we were talking about because we looked up his LinkedIn profile and his public pronouncements. So we were able to say things like, in your annual report, you said that next year you want to move online sales from um, – nine percent to twelve percent or more likely one percent to three percent in our in our case um you know and one of the challenges we found when people that try to do that is that they run into this this and this problem have you run into those problems and then they come back and they say and it's actually a very good thing to bring up problems when someone's moving into a new area and you're an expert in that area you can say hey we found other people did that they hadn't thought of this and this have you thought of that and that and if they have thought that of that and that, you can have a conversation about it. And if they haven't thought of that and that, you can say, well, you need to think about that and that because otherwise this and this could happen. Correct. Well, Steve, similar to making a big mistake and wondering if this could happen and lead to that. And if that happens, what about this? Kind of like a furry forest floor on your face kind of thing. <laughs> um, how can our listeners avoid communicating with the wrong people about the right decision and how do you what can you share with folks so that they don't go down the wrong path meaning get to the right decision maker don't waste time sharing all this great and valuable information that you just shared with the wrong person good question and as that i'm going to use my old saw again it depends um you can call lower down to get information and often you do need to call lower down to get information. You Basically, you've got to try and avoid selling at the wrong level. One of the challenges you have when you call lower is people may say, deal with me, don't go over my head, which is why it's better to start higher because if, if you've already gone above their head, then they can't really say that. If people do say that, then you can use a hierarchy of callers. In other words, you speak to Bert, who's the head of some department, and you say, well, look, I'm not, I'm not going to go above your head, but my CEO insists upon speaking to your CEO. So there's ways to avoid the don't go above my head. But at the end of the day, you've got to do your research and you've got to think about what that particular person cares about. So if you're talking to a head of the IT department, they're going to have very different concerns to the head of sales mm-hmm. or to the CEO. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you've got to Again, it just comes down to use your brain. What's this person? A, what do they say publicly in the, in, when I can do research they care about? And B, based upon their position, what are they likely to care about? CIOs or heads of IT are likely to care about standards and and, and, and um, strategies and compatibility and, and, and security and all of those things. Whereas salespeople are going to care about selling more stuff. And the two aren't always compatible. So you need to look at the, the, you know, and even when you start at C level, if you start, if you convince the CEO 
that your vision is brilliant and it can transform their company, falls in love with you and kisses you on the neck and says, go and speak to all these people. If all those people say, no, nah, it's not going to work because it's not, you know, it's not the way we do things here and it's going to violate this policy and that policy and it's all too hard, the CEO is not going to fight for you. You're still going to overcome all those issues. Right. Absolutely. Well, Steve, this has been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate, you know, giving us your insight and sharing us with your journey. Um, you know, basically, you know, if I could wrap it all up in one, I mean, you, you've said it a couple of times before, you know, just be prepared. And, you know, in sales, and I see it all the time, you probably do too, you can play the numbers game, right? Where you can make 100 calls to get the 20 appointments, right? And, or to talk to 20 people to get maybe 10 appointments to maybe hopefully get one sale. Or you can be smart about it, like you said. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, if you want to play the numbers game, that's great. But if you want to hire us, my job is to get you to make 20 calls to get 15 appointments and to maybe get three or four sales. That's a much more, you know, that's a number I want to deal with on a day-to-day basis. That's a number that won't burn you out and you'll really enjoy it. Would you agree? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, making 100 calls to get 20 conversations and, and two meetings is bloody hard work. It's soul-destroying <laughs> and, it, and, and, and it leads to churning, churning people and it's not very effective, uh, particularly at executive level. It might work at lower levels, but it's a real, pardon my French, shit of a job. Right. No, I agree. Um, whereas if you're having intelligent conversations with intelligent people on a topic that you know about and care about, it's fun. Yeah. Well, and I said, I said well, shit of a job. Yeah, well, you know, I said, I like thinking, that. people look at this and they play the numbers game. I go, you spent hours and hours making all these calls. Why don't you spend hours doing the homework and getting to know these individuals so that when you make the call, you've got your appointment and you have a better opportunity to close the deal. Just... But in order in, in order for that to work, you've got to do your global homework first. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no point calling 100 random companies. You need to call 100 targeted companies yeah. where you've got a reasonably idea, reasonable idea they're likely to need what you sell. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much. And before we ask the last major question of the show, we want to play 10 questions uh, to get to know you personally a little bit better, uh, if that's okay. So Yeah, uh, yeah what, sure. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you 10 questions, and you got to answer them honestly and as quickly as possible. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Uh, And being from Australia, this is going to be a good one, I think. All right. Favorite drink? Beer. But but what what you would call craft beer, but me as a pom, I would call real ale. Natural beer that's um, nice and hoppy. Well, what's what's your favorite beer then? Um, here in Australia at the moment, it's probably the Lord Nelson Trafalgar Pale Ale, which is only made in one pub. Okay, good deal. Digital marketing, a must or a fad? It's both. Both. Okay. Favorite thing to do for fun? Um, I go to the movies with my, with my wife every Friday afternoon, and I enjoy um, ocean swimming. Okay. Oh, there we go. Swimming with the sharks. Crazy man. <laughs> uh, who's your celebrity crush? Um, uh, Kira Knightley. Hello, Poppy. Oh, good one. Biggest influence? Um, biggest influence? I would have to say my wife, but if I was, if, if, if yeah, but I would have to say my wife. Um, yeah, definitely my wife. Yeah, and um, and if you if if you're looking for if you're looking for celebrity crush that's not a um, that's not a actressy type celebrity, I'd say Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Who's that? 
Mm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh. Okay. Biggest fear? Um, being helpless. Nice. Ooh. So you just made mention movies. What's your favorite movie? Um, it's after it has to, has to be a split between Chariots of Fire and Love, actually. Okay. Well, speaking of love, it was just Valentine's Day. Day of love, or overhyped, commercialized day of crap. Um. Again, both. Although we do, my wife and I do celebrate it. <laughs> All right, here's one. Vegemite sandwich, yes or no? Oh, God, no, it's disgusting. <laughs> That's not bad at all. <laughs> I agree. Uh, favorite podcast? Yours, of course. Uh, there you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good answer, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? Yeah. Um, no, I'm happy to. I'm happy to just chat to you guys. Uh, I am disappointed you never asked me about my best marathon time, but that's okay. Your best what? Marathon time. Well, because you told me not to. <laughs> I listen. See, I listen. Speak less, <laughs> listen more. That's what I do. Well, Steve, if someone wants to hire you, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I through my through my um, LinkedIn profile, Steve yep. Hall, Sydney. Okay, fantastic. All right, make sure everyone goes out to LinkedIn. There's another hundred dollars, Steve. <laughs> okay, well, Steve, I'll, I'll give you my, I'll give you my PayPal account. <laughs> Steve, we've really enjoyed having you on and sharing your sales exper expertise. It's been it's been phenomenal. So I really appreciate this, it. This has been great, Steve, and uh, I know I speak on behalf of Beard as well. We both wish you much success as well. Um, when is your next marathon, by the way? Oh no, no, my last marathon was 37 years ago. Oh, um, uh, so. I am incredibly old, and my legs uh, won't do it anymore. That's why you swim. I get it. Yeah. That's right. Well, before we let you go, we ask one more question at the end of every show. And now, if I was a betting man, I kind of know um, how this is going to go. But you did give me a little bit of hope at the beginning of the show. So I don't want to remind you, if you have a heart, that the stakes are a little bit higher this year. Well, Beard... I've already told you once, I'll tell you, I'll say it again. Hope is a poor strategy. And please, Steve, don't let his bleeding heart convince you to sway. It is a bald fraternity, my brother. And by picking bald over beard, I will once again host the podcast next week, which I'm sure when you're listening, you'll want to hear. And I bald and up for 2019 three, soon to be four to one, I'm sure. Well, so, I'm going gonna to pull your heart though, Steve, because at the end of 2019, if I win with more picks, um, you know, Scott has to grow out his hair, what's left of it, and attempt to grow a beard. Now, if I lose, you know, I got to shave my beard off and shave my head, uh, which I'm not looking forward to. So, <laughs> Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll make my choice based on two criteria. Um, first of all, beard is a choice. And you sit on a throne of lies bald isn't and, sec and second and, and secondly um i'm just about to go and shave so i think i have to go with beard whoa whoa what <laughs> flip the script and the beard had won thank you hold on <laughs> rewind steve my friend <clears throat> my he's already friend. made his decision no hold up <laughs> no you said something very very sensitive to me <clears throat> because bald isn't always or let me back up Beard, yes, is a choice. Oh, actually, bald, bald can be a choice as well. I can grow a full head of hair, and I'm prepared to do so. Well, here's my thing oh, on that. I, don't I beard, certainly can't. Beard's not a choice. Beard, but don't hurt the rest of us because you can't. 
Beard. I'm sorry. But it, it, this is that's called Schadenfreude. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, shaving is a choice. <clears throat> Beards or not is natural and most manly. So let's get that straight. <laughs> There's nothing manly or natural about it. But before we sign off, I again want to remind everyone to please, please, please subscribe at Anchor.fm backslash Biz with Beard and Bald, and then share it with your friends on all of your social media pages and platforms. Steve, thank Thanks. you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, Very Steve much Ball my pleasure. Have a good evening. I'm off to go and do some work. <laughs> ditto, <laughs> ditto, friends. So there you have it. Another show is in the books, but have no fear. Beard and Bald will always be here. So until next time, friends, same bald head, same beard channel. Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald. Stay bald and stay beautiful. Hey, Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.